It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances, and I've repeatedly served as Superior Court Special Master. I've even had the uh, pleasure of successfully suing the Bureau of Cannabis Control to compel them to take down marijuana billboards along Route 101. Office holders, lawyers, and activists appear on Slow County Public Policy and the Law to inform you about government actions shaping your lives. Last week, I had former Councilman T. Keith Gurney talk about Slow's City policies degrading downtown commerce and the quality of life for residents. Then, Grover Beach Mayor Debbie Peterson talked about what Grover Beach residents need to do to drop off forms to City Hall under Proposition 218 to stop the City Council's actions doubling water and sewer bills. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. Well, it is a real treat today to have uh, Paso Robles Mayor John Hammond come talk to us about the the Paso Robles spaceport and the issues that are facing uh, the residents of Paso Robles. And John was actually our very first guest on this show when we started, and it's just wonderful to have you back, John. Well, thank you very much, Stu. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, the uh, I, I know that... Uh, you have recently been elevated by the council to be mayor. When you came on, you were vice mayor, and you were, yeah. uh, I think you were the representative, if I recall correctly, from Council District 1. Isn't that right? That's correct. We were uh, uh, turned into a district uh, elected type of city. Um, probably, I think it was uh, one election ago, so four years ago, was the first time through. And then um, this last year, uh, my district uh, was then brought into that because of the scheduling and the timing of the different uh, councils on and off. So this last year was when we went through it for the first time. I did anyway, and very different because again, in the city we have what about twelve, thirteen thousand voters divided by four. So we have roughly three to four thousand in my district, whereas opposed to before and all the other four uh, elections that I've gone through. This is my fifth term we were elected by at large. In other words, the whole city would elect each person onto the council. Now it's different where the district has to be only the ones to vote for that particular seat. So I was unopposed, of course. I was not sure I really wanted to run. The problem with the district now is that we don't see a whole lot of people wanting to step up or even participate in uh, commissions and committees and things like that where they get some sort of idea about city government and have some background. So I was a little concerned. I didn't really want to really run last year because Marjorie and I want to kind of start traveling a little bit. Our son has a door company now. So 
you know, it's time. You never know what's around the corner. Um, but at any rate, we... Well, and for, for our listeners, uh, the door company is Hammond Overhead Doors, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I've been doing that for 44 years, actually, since Cal Poly. Um, back in 75, 76 is when we started that. Marjorie's dad had started that 10 years before, and mm-hmm. we took it over when mm-hmm. we graduated Cal Poly. But at any rate, uh, I, looking around, I said, well, now that I don't have to be in the office every day, and actually now's the time to start doing public uh, work like this. But, of course, I've been doing it for 17 years, so uh, <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, let's do it one more term. So I did, unopposed, and, um, of course, the council wanted me to be uh, pro tem, so Steve Martin, everyone asked me to, to sit, and so I never dreamed that um, Steve would have his... Uh, issues uh, with cancer and yeah. um, oh, it was about well we were elected last november february he started feeling poorly started looking around he found something that they thought they could uh, get uh and resolve and but it it wasn't in the cards so no um, no it's very sa- very sad and uh you know i know yeah. that wasn't uh no. that wasn't what you expected or desired but no not at all um, i mean i could never bring uh, my voice up to his level of you know, he was a very um, gifted speaker. I mean, he was in the radio business like you and, and, and that kind of thing. But even still, um, he had a, a very pleasant heart, and, and people, you know, appreciated his, his talking. I'm more on the sharp side of things sometimes. and uh, But, I, again, I am what I am, and I'm going to, you know, step up and do the job for the next three and a half years. And that was the that was the uh, what the law of the state says, that, um, the council in these kind of conditions can appoint a successor. Didn't have to be anybody from the council, but they wanted me to step up, and I said I would do that. Um, so, I, of course, got put into the mayor's position, and now the issue was because I vacated District One. You, you, you just uh, your council just appointed uh, a, a woman that, to that that's seat. That's where I was going I, exactly. So it was interesting because. And, and what, um, what what's her name? Uh, Sharon Roden. Uh-huh. She's like fifth or sixth generation here in Paso Robles, the old family name. Um, but it was one of those things where, again, we had to find somebody from District 1 uh, to run or be appointed. Um, and so we had actually nine or ten applicants, and uh, not all of them qualified, but from the eight that we actually did interview, we narrowed it down to four, and Sharon rose to the point where the rest of the council felt comfortable with doing that. Um, she um, was seated, I think, last week uh, for the first time and sat right down and got to work. And she's a rancher, a longtime rancher, very down to earth individual, um, businesswoman. Uh-huh. So I think she'll be good for the Paso people. To well, understand. and the, the one advantage from having uh, districts is that uh, she'll only have uh, four or five thousand people to talk to uh, as voters, uh, which mm-hmm. means that she'll be much closer to her electorate, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and she can represent them. So. There's good, there's pluses and minuses to the, the district thing, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was always under the fear that, you know, I'm not going to vote for your district unless you vote for my stuff, you know, that kind of, that has never been a good situation, and that's not what our council's about anyway, but, you know, there's always that fear that, you know, you have to you know, not worry about anybody else except for your people and that's not true um so at any rate she's seated um the the thing about this though she is only going to be um 
in this appointment for another 14 months. In other words, next November... She, she has to face election at the very next yes, election. It, uh, yes, and then at yeah. that point, it's not for four years, which is what typically you would uh, counsel would have four years after he's elected. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's only going to be for two years because we still have to be on that cycle. Remember, right. I was on the 26. I'd be off on 2026. So anyway... Um, so the, el- the if, if the voters re-elect her... It'll be for the two years remaining in that term. If she, yes, if she decides to move again, she hasn't said whether she's going to want to run or not, but uh-huh. she was appointed and she's in there now for the next 14 months. And if she feels comfortable and she's going to want to run again, mm-hmm. um, and then at that point, whether the district people want her or not, that's a, a way of changing your representative at that point. Right. Um, so we'll see. Again, she's got a lot to learn. She is a rancher and she knows a lot about water because of that. And, so I thought it was a you know a good choice with her knowledge and, and of course I was looking for somebody business sense and that's uh, that's important to me too so um, at any that, rate that is that is important in, to understand how to how a city should be run yes the, uh, yeah. well the last time you were here uh, at our very first show you had just come mm-hmm. back from Washington D.C. to lobby yes. for money um, in fact I think you were there with Steve Martin. Uh, yes. and mm-hmm. and you were bringing home the bacon to uh, uh, get yep. uh, an overpass built and get more uh, access uh, for the public to uh, what will become a spaceport. And That's right. T- tell us tell us what's happened to the mm-hmm. spaceport uh, project since then. So it was Steve Martin's vision, um, and to basically see what we could do with our airport to bring a spaceport um, to that. That doesn't mean a vertical spaceport. There means a horizontal launch capability, meaning that the aircraft is small, actually smaller than my airplane, unmanned, and it takes off horizontally, climbs the altitude all the way up to the um, low Earth orbit area, uh-huh. and then releases a tiny uh, satellite uh, called CubeSat. CubeSat is a um, small satellite that does specific uh, scientific-type work, and then after a while it degrades and falls out of orbit. Um, Cal Poly especially um, has a department uh, devoted to that study. Um, Vice President Bill Britton, uh, who's on our airport commission, matter of fact, we just reappointed him last night to the airport commission, but he is uh, integral to the uh, working relationship between Cal Poly and Pass Robles. The biggest thing that I am going to push here is that um, if this comes to fruition, it will be a way to get education into space. Usually on these kind of spaceports, there's only seven in, in the United States. We, we would be number eight on a horizontal launch. Um, but the problem is with all these scientific projects that the students design and, and want to put up in space, take years and years, if any, to even get there. Now, with this You mean kids start as freshmen uh, at Cal Poly, and by the time they've graduated, they have to pass it on to somebody else? That's it. They will probably never see it in their time. Wow. But um, now, if we get this, it'll be more of a fast track, along with commercial, okay, because it's got to pay for itself. So commercial um, injections would also be done. But because of the relationship between Cal Poly, Vandenberg, Pass Robles, this whole region, the whole Central Coast will benefit from having this kind of capability. So, uh, and then recently, just the other day, we um, were recognized by the Global Spaceport Alliance. 
GSA has uh, recognized us as an official organization to their membership, and that is uh, worldwide. Now, how, so, tell, tell me about the uh, Global Spaceport Alliance. What, what is it that they do? Well, I don't know a whole lot about it other than the fact that, you know, when you have these kind of uh, spaceports going on and, and starting, that um, there's got to be a, an organization that kind of speaks for all. And that's what I see as this is a, is a benefit um, and to attract, you know, commercial uh, development and commercial uh, launches and that's that, that sort of thing. Uh, and, again, what I was trying to get at with the educational, no other spaceport has uh, touched this angle with regard to bring education into these uh, low Earth orbit, they call it, you know, um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. low E, and, and, and it's it's a very, um, I guess, from what I understand, not uh, too well known that they're putting uh, products and in, in scientific projects up in this, this area. Which again, it's I'm always worried about space junk, right? Once you put it up there, sure. it's going to be there forever. This is an area that actually it does its job and then degrades and falls out and burns up and then it Do- doesn't doesn't come down and become uh, something that comes no, through no. your roof. This is like a size of a, a loaf of bread, maybe a little bit bigger. Hmm. They're not they're not very large, and they do specific scientific projects, and then they again they how, how many uh, how many of these uh, cubesats can they put up at one time? That uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think probably a few at a time because again, the aircraft is not very big, but neither is the payload either. That's why it's so light. They use a propellant to get it up to that level of altitude and release. And then uh, again, it, it's pretty new stuff uh, that I'm not totally uh, sure how it works. Uh-huh. There are many um, companies now that are knocking on our door because of what we're doing. One of the one of the things I read, uh, John, was that you had uh, the, the city had put together a plan for a space innovation and technology park at the at the uh, airport. Is that right? Interval. Yes, the whole area as you come in, uh, kind of the northeast part of town. There's an industrial park already, but we want to make it a tech corridor, uh, meaning that if this comes to the airport. There's going to be a lot of supporting companies coming, and they're going to need housing for their offices and warehousing. So we have designed and, and kind of made the land use such that it's going to be easy. The I don't know if you remember um, the boys' school was uh, recently sold by the state to a right. developer in L.A., mm-hmm. and they have big plans for the boys' school, 170 acres there, that um, they want to put in a... Um, Many different things, basically. But they're even talking about a hotel, conference center now, along with industrial offices uh, to support, you know, the airport level. Um, so, again, it's a, it's, if this goes, like I said, it will change not only Paso, but the whole Central Coast. It's going to be a benefit to all the cities because, you know, to, from San Luis to Paso, 30 minutes. You know, as opposed to up in San Jose, you got, you know, maybe a couple hours on uh, same distance, you know. Well, yeah, and, and but, but you have to... Admit in San Jose they have light rail, so, right? Well, <laughs> there, there's, there's all I'm kinds putting of in a plug, lighting. folks. <laughs> yes, but even still, I, I think people would love to have to work on the Central Coast rather than oh, they the would. big cities sometimes. So, well, folks, um, you're you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. If you just tuned in, this is your host Stu Jenkins, and we are talking with Paso Robles Mayor John Hammond about the uh, proposed spaceport. Uh, is the spaceport already working, John? Not really, no. We do have a few people, actually, who have um, rented space on the airport testing their small engines. Um, these are engines that 
drive the propulsion systems on the small CubeSats. Uh-huh. Um, they're out, uh, actually, like their main firm is in Louisiana, and they've been working um, in, at Vandenberg, but they like Paso Robles better. So they move their uh, testing areas out to Paso Robles areas so they can be more free to do things. It's really easier to work uh, on our airport. We're an uncontrolled airport. Um, again, normal, uh, common uh, general aviation traffic. We don't have any uh, commuters or anything like that. Um, you don't have military aircraft that take precedence. Okay. Well, they, well, yes, they always do. But they and they because of Camp Roberts and Fort Hunter Liggett, um, they are always uh, in and out. You know, you'll see them around every week, mm-hmm. but not to the point where uh, it's going to influence any problem. And, and the spaceport is not like uh, uh, a takeoff every day or even you know maybe once a week. It's it's going to be you know uh, in, uneventful to see these things leave and come back. So um, now, are they what, are they are the uh, planes that uh, deliver the CubeSats up into the uh, outer atmosphere? Are they uh, are they automated or are they yeah. Uh, okay? This, they're, yeah, they're they're unmanned and, and it's just like a drone, like uh-huh. we're flying around the world uh, with the military. This is a similar kind of a uh, aircraft. Uh, like I said, my my you know single engine six seater. Is a 35-foot wingspan. This one might be uh, more like 20, 22 feet. It's not very large, hmm. and but it doesn't have to be because of the payload size that it's doing, nor is there a person in it. So, um, do, do, they, got the, do they use propellers, or are these no, they, no, this, they're little jets? That's the one of the issues is that the propellant and the fuel that they use is pretty uh, powerful and dangerous. So mm-hmm. when they put these kind of established areas on an airport they have to be in a segregated area which of course we have plenty of that in paso where there's not a whole lot of uh, residential so um uh, that's what we're learning again uh, that's part of the application the license that we are applying for through faa goes through all of that and how it would be um designed onto the field so again this is is there is there a specific department in the city that uh this is that has been tasked with setting this up Yes, Paul Sloan and our economic development uh, is working directly with Cal Poly. Cal Poly has been um, engaged to process the, the actual application to FAA, and so they are working um, with students, and, and they're all engaged in doing this, um, and they should be coming up here fairly soon to make the application finalized to where we can actually submit it to FAA. That's what we did when we went to Washington, D.C. last time we talked. Um, we had just come back where we talked with the spaceport folks from FAA, and they told us exactly what they want to see and how you want to set up your application. So we're getting all the groundwork done um, you know, to make it work and hopefully fly the first, first time around. So, um, is there, is we'll there a, a, Do you know when that's going to be, John? Not, there's no specific date, although I know that Cal Poly said they'd be done toward the end of the year, and it's coming up on that point. So... Um, once it's their application is finished, we'll look at it, of course, and then we'll submit it to FAA, and and then next year I'm sure we'll start seeing you know some back and forth, hopefully, on, on getting it finalized. It takes a while. We always knew it was going to take two or three years to make this thing happen, so uh, it's going through the process. You know, government doesn't work overnight, but um, <laughs> as usual, we all know that. And, but at any rate, this is important to get right, obviously, and if, if hopefully. You know, something we we kind of looked down the, the line here, and we saw no roadblocks to pass rolls. We talked with FAA; they say looks fine. Just go through the process. So, you know, hopefully, we won't see any stopping points where we're going to have to say, "Nope, we're not doing this." 
but that's always an option. You know, if it doesn't fit for Paso, then it won't fit. But sure, sure. That's that's where we're you know looking for. Well, with with all of the uh, troubles going on in the world, and we've we've all seen these stories about, uh, for instance, Elon Musk. Um, deciding whether or not his satellites will uh, support our ally Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you getting any applications um, to start to put up uh, communication satellites uh, in low orbit? I don't know if anybody's going to be able to compete with Musk and SpaceX doing that work. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming... I, I saw um, that Amazon just put up uh, some it, it, some competitive, right. but they they were using, well, they were using a Saturn V. <laughs> Do it, <laughs> yeah. I I'm from Lompoc originally, and I swear I, I've never thought I'd see a, a rocket booster come back from from the uh, space and land on our on one of our pads that just left a few minutes earlier. It, it, that is amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. It is amazing what he's doing. But at any rate, yeah, it, it um, it's important that, you know, we get that level of service for everyone around the world mm-hmm. you know, so that they can communicate easier. I think communication is the key to everything, and I think that's probably part of the problem in Israel right now is that why didn't they communicate? And we, you know, of course, this is a problem that has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. I don't think anybody's really going to fix it, but on the yeah, other hand, to yeah. see what happened there, it's amazing. I, I, I can't believe Hamas doing what they're doing. But it's, it's uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, the tragedy is uh, so deep, it's uh, almost hard to describe. Yeah. The uh, And I guess, you know, John, uh, I, I've done a little constitutional law over the years. Um, mm-hmm. Just a little old country lawyer here. Mm-hmm. But I think Article 6 of our Constitution that uh, said that there would be no religious test for any office and of course the first amendment of the constitution that guarantees everybody freedom of religion to mm-hmm. exercise and and prevents interference uh, is uh, James yeah, Madison thought that was the most important part of the whole package yeah number one that's why most people came to the United States yeah. to get away from that well uh, folks we're, we are coming up on a hard break we're going to have news be sure and stay tuned because we've got a lot more to talk with John Hammond, mayor of the city of Paso Robles.